No. What's your least favorite scary movie? I will not accept the life I do not deserve. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd in all our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Especially when we absolutely get it. My name is Travis. My name is Jesse. And today we are talking X. Yay! Yeah, we uh, said it last week. We're coming back at you all with some more A24 horror up in here. And um, what better movie to choose than uh, Ty West's latest movie? We're both, I don't, know, I, I don't know if I can speak for you, but I'm a big fan of Ty West. I mean, I've not watched all of his movies, but everything that I've seen of his, I've enjoyed. Okay. What about you? I like him. Yeah? Not I, a big I fan? Think, no, it's not that. I just think, you know, you're the fan. Like, Yeah. I I, mean, I'm not not a fan, if that makes sense. Okay, you're not not a fan, but you like his movies. You you like what you've seen. Yeah, it, a lot of his movies I very much have to be in the mood for. He's got that kind of quality to him. He, yeah. Uh, they're all... Fairly slow moving. Which I, I don't dislike on principle, but I think there's a way for slow burns to be done in a way that is exciting. And it's not that his aren't. I'm just saying most of the time, like a slow burn, you have to be in the mood for. That's true. That's fair. But I feel like this is one that is pretty easily accessible. I wouldn't even call this a slow burn, really. It just takes a while for things to get started. I, honestly, for a Ty West film... This one is out the gate. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're right, actually. <laughs> okay, so we'll get more into our thoughts of this movie here shortly. But before we do, do you have any announcements? Uh, I don't have any announcements um, other than, and we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the episode. We are double recording the first two July episodes next weekend. Just a heads up, so it's going to throw off our... Uh, call for reviews and how we announce poll results oh man i didn't even think about that but you're right yeah because uh july 8th through 10th we're gonna be in memphis tennessee to attend joe bob's jamboree yeah i'm excited for that so and we're taking advantage of the upcoming long weekend to go ahead and uh Get our first two July episodes recorded and ready to go. Yep. And if you listen to our bonus episode of To Be or Not To Be, which came out this past Monday, we talked about Bloody Murder. It is a Friday the 13th ripoff. But it's so much fucking fun. <laughs> it, it's a fantastic little movie. I think we had a very fun discussion on it. So go check that out. But we also kind of teased that we have a theme for next month's movies too. Which we will tell you at the end of the episode. Okay. We got to keep them waiting. Give them a reason well, to Well, if they've listened to around. that episode, they already know. <laughs> for those but that haven't. But if they're already listening to this episode and then they're like, oh, I need to go check out the bonus episode. Oh. oh and then they won't know. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. We'll keep that a secret. All okay. right. Is that all we got? Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go to the polls. So, once again, Jesse came up with this week's poll, and uh, as always, based off of the previous movie we covered, so this is a midsummer theme poll, but the question was, which midsummer ritual would you rather do? Okay. So, 80% of the people would want to do the Atasupa. Okay. That's a lot of people jumping off the cliff, but compared have to- you, Have you been here lately? I kind of <laughs> get it. I get it, but- 
I mean, also get it compared to these other three options. Again, here. not condoning. Um, no, <laughs> that kind. Of, it's you know. I get it. I I'm get making it. a playful joke about how it, everything life sucks, right sucks now. here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense. Um, okay. Nobody chose Fire Temple. Nobody wants to burn to death. Don't blame anybody there. Okay. Twenty percent would do the river sacrifice. Wow. So that's drowning. Bold move. You know, I I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and nobody chose Skin the Fool. Again, a terrible fate. So, um, you know what? I think I would also jump off the cliff compared to those other three options. Because yeah. you're burning, you're drowning, or you're getting skinned. Mm. So, mm. pretty easy option if you ask me. Yeah. All right, cool. Truthfully. All right. That's it for a <laughs> poll. Let's actually talk about this movie, okay? Okay. So, as we said before, we're talking about X. This came out in March, uh, 18th of March this year, uh, 2022. The year of our Lord, 2022. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, as we said, this is written and directed by Ty West. We have music by Tyler Bates. And they also, like, credited mostly, like, other songs that are used. This, This is a movie that uses a lot, like... Like an actual soundtrack, you know, yes. of like existing songs. Like I think that's Mungo the majority. Jerry. Like Mungo Jerry. <laughs> like Blue Oyster Colt. Um, I don't know what else. But Chelsea well. Wolf's cover of Wee Wee Mary. That, yeah, that's a th- that's one of them. So, yeah, it's it's literal with that. And then it also has, um, it's got a, a pretty creepy score, if you ask me, whenever you get yeah. the scenes of parole. Ah, yeah. Ah. <clears throat> it's like a very A24 soundtrack, I think. The cast that we have for this baby. Okay. Baby, we have Mia Goth. She plays both Maxine and Pearl. Mm-hmm. That's right. She plays the old lady in this movie too. We have Jenna Ortega. She plays Lorraine. Mm-hmm. We have Brittany Snow. She plays Bobby Lynn. Mm-hmm. Kid Cuddy or Scott Mescudi plays Mescudi? Jackson Mescudi. It's Mescudi. Did Kid Cuddy, Mescudi. I feel they, like he always Kid- he always says it's Scott Mescudi. Scott Mescudi? Yeah. Okay. I was really hoping you were just going to introduce him as Scott Mescudi so I could be like, na, 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 <laughs> Kid Cuddy. This is his first horror movie. Mm-hmm. He was very excited to Yes, do this. he was. He was, was geeking out about it in the I like that idea because he's such like a big star and then he goes on the set and it's like this indie director, Ty West. He's like, oh my God, it's Ty West. And then he sees Jenna Ortega. He's like, oh my God, it's Jenna. Like, yeah, he like called her a queen, I think. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of... She is. She is the, the reigning squeen queen right now. Well, I feel like she kind of did this just suddenly. Like, it was Scream that I first noticed her in, and then all of a sudden this. She's going to be Wednesday uh, in, like, a Wednesday Addams, like a Netflix series. The same thing happened with Sarah Michelle Gellar, because we had I Know What You Did Last Summer, Buffy, and Scream 2 all within, like, a single year. That's right, but then she never went back. But the way Jenna talks about horror, well, did she go back to horror? I mean, Buffy is like kind of horror, but you know, either way, she's just kind of came out of nowhere. But I think it's cool that he geeked out over her being in all these movies. Uh, we have Martin Henderson, who plays Wayne. It shocked me that this guy is the same guy from Scream. You know, the dad, um, her boyfriend that she had the kid with. Do you mean the ring? I said the ring. You said scream. 
No, I said the ring. You said scream. I can play this back for Do you. Do it. Okay. Do it. Pausing. Okay, so I was wrong. Um, <laughs> I legitimately, in my head, thought I said the ring. Like it was in my head. Like I love that we do a podcast together now. So that way, when I'm like, "Hey, you said the wrong thing," and you're like, "No, oh, I'm not I gonna be lie. like look." <laughs> I would have fought that to the very end. Like I thought for sure that I said the ring. Man, that sucks. For a second, because <laughs> I remembered you saying that, saying that before that it's the same guy from the ring. And so when you just said scream for a second, I was like, that's not Sydney's dad. And then you said the boyfriend. And I was like, wait, whose boyfriend? <laughs> well, whatever, man. He It's fucking <laughs> insane. Okay. He's the guy from the ring. He looks amazing for his age because like that was 20 years ago that he made the ring. Actually, over 20 years ago, I think. The Grudge. Sarah Michelle Geller also did The Grudge. There you go. All right. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least. Speaking of American remakes of Japanese horror movies. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. Not last but not least. Um, we have Owen Campbell, who plays RJ. Okay. And we have Steven Yeur, who plays Howard. Okay. Did you know that Howard is the same guy that plays Ricky Daggers in Deathgasm? Yes. Okay. I, I... Did you know every time we watch Deathgasm and they talk about Ricky Daggers, I want to go, Ricky Daggers. yeah i kind of also like jotted down just some horror roles that everybody else has done since kid cuddy hasn't done any (laughs) he's the version here but uh mia goth has done she did the suspiria remake Mm -hmm. uh jenna ortega obviously scream terry carpenter uh britney snow they talked a lot about her being like typecast as Mm -hmm. like uh like she must i know she's perfect yeah pitch perfect and she was pam's sister in the office. That's her? Mm-hmm. No way. Pretty sure, unless I've got her mixed up with somebody. That doesn't look like her. Oh, now I need to check myself. Okay. Who is Pam's sister then? I have no idea. Oh. Well, she plays Donna in Prom Night, the remake, obviously. Uh, Martin Henderson, Isn't obviously. She, wasn't she in the Black Christmas remake too? Britney no. Snow? No. Who am I thinking of? You might be thinking of um, the girl from... Uh, Final Destination 3. What's her name? Why can't I think of her no, name? No, that's not who I'm thinking of. I have no idea who you're thinking of. Um, I, I'm i falling to pieces, dude. Okay, well... I need to say something, though. Today has felt like an entire week. I know. <laughs> it's, it's the same for me. Trust me. Okay. And Owen Campbell, he played a movie in, like, Super Dark Times or something like that. That was the uh, yeah. name of his movie. I've not... I don't know that movie, but whatever. They've all done horror. Everybody here is big horror people, so that's cool. All right. Anna Camp. What was Anna Camp in? Uh, Also in Pitch Perfect. Okay. I. We we got a whole new tangent here. I don't know what's going on anymore. All right, let's let's put that away. No, I need to know who was in Black Christmas. (laughs) You need to know the whole cast of Black Christmas. <laughs> I need to know the whole cast of Black Christmas. Okay. That's okay. Keep say some fun facts for the people. Oh. I watched most of it with you, so. Well, I was going to go more into like the budget and stuff like that. Oh, okay. You know. Do that then. Okay, this movie doesn't have a listed budget. Okay. Yeah, so it uh, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, it's a twenty four. It's helping produce or i don't really think that they were helping produce okay 
Breaking news. Do, 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 do. That's Katie Cassidy. What the fuck was Katie Cassidy in? The Night Round Elm Street remake. Okay, we're finally full circle, and I've got all of my blonde horror side characters okay. sorted out. I'm closing the book on this. All right, let's start over <laughs> on the uh, the discussion No here. listed budget. Got it. Yeah, okay, no <laughs> listed budget. But I'm thinking that it is budget because I said A24 before. A24 doesn't make the movies people they just distribute them Mm -hmm. they are not producers but this movie is produced by kid cuddy oh shit he is an executive producer he has his own producing company it is called mad solar oh i was wondering what mad solar was because i didn't recognize that when the logo popped up yeah so I, this is all speculation, but I'm thinking that he got involved and he's like, oh, fuck, this is going to be cool. I want to invest in this because I think that this is going to be an amazing movie. Also, I've got money. Let's just make this thing look awesome. I wonder if he'll be involved in any part beyond or all in any part, period, uh, with Pearl. His character? Obviously not his character. It's but... a pretty cool, yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's possible. Um, I do have a little bit of Pearl info in here mm-hmm. to talk about but before we get there all right so yeah no budget this thing opened at uh with 400 400.275 million and we were 0.001 percent of that yeah we were a couple of bucks we threw we are the 0.001 percent people there you go Not to brag. <laughs> we got you we got you covered buddy uh and uh it grows 14.2 million this has a 6.6 on imdb that's wrong. Surprisingly it's low, right? It's strange. So I wanted to pick two similar movies that have released so far in 2022 since we're only halfway there. Okay, okay. So the first one picked another A24. Okay. Uh, it's Men. Oh, the one we haven't seen yet. Yes. I it was think... in theaters for a single weekend in Lexington, which is rare in Lexington. So we we're like, we will see it next weekend. And... Uh, JK, we're going to have to catch it on streaming. Yeah, it just disappeared. So that sucked because I've heard amazing things about it. That has a 6.2 on okay. IMDb. Also no budget listed. Starting to notice a theme here with these A24 mm, movies. What are you hiding? I don't know. Big art house conspiracy <laughs> going on. <laughs> okay, that movie opened at 3.2 million and it grossed nine and a half. Okay. Not too bad. Honestly, I'm impressed because I feel like I heard a lot more buzz about X than men, but... Oh my god. X-Men. Oh, crossover. <laughs> X-Men. Yeah. God, that's so stupid. <laughs> okay. And for the other movie, I wanted to pick something that was also kind of related to this. Mm-hmm. Something that is tied into it spiritually. Mm-hmm. The Texas Chainsaw movie that came out this year. On Netflix. On I'm trying to make it art house. <laughs> we got a trade-off on this one. We got a budget, but we don't have any <laughs> numbers for how much it grows because it went to streaming. So, uh, But this thing had a budget of $20 million. Really? Well, lots of money. Hey, man, it's a nice-looking movie. I will give it that. I actually enjoyed that movie. I thought it was... It... Mm. Mm. it's a sloppy script i didn't hate it like listen i go into a texas chainsaw movie expecting a mess so i guess i got that they're not all messes though i mean just more of the recent ones have been but whatever it's fine but yeah made a lot of money it has a 4.8 on imdb 
Okay. That's how it stacks up with movies so far this year. Okay. Honestly, I think that this is the best movie to have released so far, although I haven't seen Men. We there. haven't seen The Black Phone, which just we came haven't. out, and I've heard a I lot about it. dying to watch that. I really, really want to watch that. But, okay. On to X. Okay. More stuff. Okay, I got facts here now. Facts. So, facts with an X. Facts. F-A-X. F-A-X. We got your F-A-X today. Fax machines. See, guys, we don't need a soundboard on what's your least favorite scary movie because we have Jessie here, and she can do any sound I, you want. I can give you the gist. She can do fax machines. She can do breaking news broadcasts. You name it, she's got it. This is what we bring to the table, folks. So this movie was... Filmed in New Zealand. This was a peak COVID production, pretty much. They started the whole casting process like right in the peak of shutdowns. Makes sense for them to take this to New Zealand. How the fuck did they get to New Zealand? I don't know. New Zealand was like famous for being incredibly locked down. It was, yeah, like you couldn't get in. That was their whole thing because, you know, they were the first people to actually act on the virus. But he did like all the casting over Zoom, stuff like that. That's where Lord of the Rings was. I know. Um, that's why uh, fucking Ricky Daggers is in this movie because he's a New Zealand actor. Ricky Daggers. It's actually in the Joe Bob episode of that. He was talking about how like if you go to, to New a... Zealand, you're gonna have somebody that has Lord of the Rings on their resume. Exactly. And look at this. <laughs> Here we go. It's it's proven so far. What movie was it that we watched with Gimli in it recently? Um, it was uh, Princess Diaries too. Oh yeah, he was the scheming uncle. Yeah, he's scheming. He's a schemer. <laughs> he's a schemer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of cool that he did the whole casting over Zoom. I like his question about um asking these people. He's like, one of the reasons that like one of the things that would help him cast the people is he would ask them, "Why do you want to be in this movie?" Because it has so many reasons for you not to want to be mm-hmm. in it. It's about like Lobar. Stuff like just pornography and horror, like blood guts. You know, a lot of people frown upon that. Nobody wants that stuff on their resume as much as they used to. People don't come here for the plot. They come here for the tits and the ass. Exactly. And a big dick. Exactly. And, you know, anybody that gave good answers to that kind of like helped progress the conversation. He really liked Brittany Snow's Mm -hmm. answer because she mentioned the whole like juxtaposition of like, you know, the youth and how they enjoy sex and then how the old people are unable to enjoy what they used to have and they're kind of, you know, holding it against younger people. I mean, it's basically the theme of the movie. She got it. So I think that that spoke to him. He was inspired to make this pretty much because he wanted to take a lowbrow concept and highbrow it up. So he... um, He's like, what is the raunchiest horror concept that, like, people stereotype of Grindhouse and how can I make it art house? Yeah, he wanted to, like, he wanted to fuse both porn and horror because they say a lot of times within the movie like that was the only way for normal people to break into cinema back in like the 70s because before that like you would need to have like a big name attached you would have to go through hollywood this is a way for people to make something and actually like get famous it was low budget like you see people do this all the time like especially back in the day like they would make a horror movie become famous, abandon the genre altogether because that was just their like foot in the door to the whole business. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't really want to make it about like shooting a horror movie though because he thought that that would be too meta. 
So he's like, fuck it. We'll just like make it something else that is very similar. Like, so just they're shooting in porn instead, which I think is interesting. You don't really see people touch on that as much as like a theme in horror. I don't think. I'm glad that he did because it turned into this really beautiful exploration of the different relationships people have with sex. Yeah. It, um, it, it's a very, like, it's, it makes you consider things that you haven't, like, you don't really normally think about. And I think it's kind of interesting. I think like, I've seen a kind of open, like, a dialogue about people and understanding, like, older people and their sexuality, too. But, um, so you know how we talked about how you and I have a discussion all the time when we're talking about Ty West, usually this movie, about how he took, like, a break from movies for a while? Mm-hmm. He did that because he kind of, like, got exhausted with, especially horror as a genre, he just kind of wanted to like do other stuff. So I know that he did a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a Western movie. Um, I don't think it did too well, but he did one. And, you know, maybe I'll watch it one day. I don't know if I'm bored, but yeah. Was it called a Thai Western? A Thai, <laughs> a Thai Western. I like that, actually. <laughs> that should be his like his director name directed by Thai Western. But Ni no. He, um, I tell you what, I tell you what. <laughs> He um he didn't want to come back to horror unless he had like a compelling reason to, mm-hmm. and he felt the reason he wanted to make this is because he never made a slasher before, so that was like uncharted territory for him. There's something new for him to explore, so that was another element that he had to that. Yeah, he loves a lot more of like the rituals and supernatural type shit. Yeah, I mean he did um like a uh, House of the Devil. It's another period piece. It's like set in the 80s or something. You know, it's about like Satanists. Okay, listen. What? You can't. A period piece has to be older than the 80s. Come Does on, it? man. It, yeah. I don't fucking know. I like the actual terminology. I Well, it's... Uh, a period like, piece, I think of more things like The Witch. Whatever. That's like 100 years ago. Yeah. Because... Okay, fine. It's not a period piece. It's a movie set a time long ago. It's not that long ago. And a land very near and dear. Jesus Christ, have you seen our demographics? You're going to be pissing off a lot of our listeners calling the 80s a the long 80s? time ago. Yeah. Okay. It's not. We're, we're barely not born in the 80s. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that. It's okay. A movie very recent, <laughs> very near to us um, in the 80s. He, he just does shit like that, okay? He's got. <laughs> I don't even know where this is supposed to go. I was talking about his themes of like he was doing like a Satanist type movie. He didn't really do anything about like slashers. Uh, whatever, man. Send all your hate mail to Travis's personal Instagram. Leave me out of it, please. Yeah, that's that's fine. Send it my way. I don't care. And okay, last thing I'm going to address. He did shoot a prequel while also doing this movie. He came up with the idea of doing the prequel because they had a mandatory, um, like, quarantine because I'm suspecting that they had, like, a breach or whatever. And he took that two weeks to stay in his room and basically just write the script. And at the end of Filming X, he basically just, like, said, like, asked me, he's like, hey, I've got this script. We already have the sets here. We have, like, everything already ready to go. Are you okay with staying behind and filming this sequel? Or this prequel, pretty much. She was fully on board because from what I saw on the special features, she seemed really stoked on this movie. Yeah. Also, she's super British or Irish. I don't know. She's so 
her she was born in London. Her mother is Brazilian, I think, and her father is I want to say like Canadian. Wow. Okay. I don't remember. It's some combination of like three different geographies because I wanted to see what her natural eyebrow situation was. Yeah. So I went to her IMDb page. Yeah, what it is is non-existent. <laughs> yeah, she's just got very light eyebrows. Yeah, but she does a great job of doing a Southern accent in this movie. It's yeah. shocking me. Like whenever I first heard her natural voice, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that's the same person. But yeah, so they stayed behind. They made the prequel. You can't see that on the blu-ray or dvd because that was only a thing that you could see in theaters at the end of the credits mm -hmm. it was kind of cool and this is why we're those weirdos that always sit in our chairs until credits have rolled this past decade of movies has kind of gotten me to where like i can't leave a movie i forget what it was it was some movie though and we were waiting and then like the usher or whatever the right terminology is for the movie theater worker he was like there's nothing please leave so i can clean and i was like Thank Fair, you. you don't get paid enough to deal yeah. with our shit. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm done with all my background. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Okay, I'm done with my background info, but I have taglines. <sighs> Plural. Okay. All right, the first one is dying to show you a good time. I like that. I like it too. It's punny. Mm -hmm. It's a nice like throwback to like a corny tagline that goes along with 80s slashers. Yeah, I agree. And... uh I don't know why, but like, I get like this throwback to like a saloon, like, come up and see me sometime. <laughs> oh, and that's what you get? Yeah. Okay. That's what they were going for. For sure. What's the other tagline? The other tagline is one goddamn fucked up horror picture. I like that one. I also like that. I love how this movie has like some of the best trailer moments. It really does. And the trailer moments don't even like ruin the experience of watching the movie. It doesn't. Like they're right there. That's like the very last scene of the movie, but it doesn't spoil anything. Yeah. It's great. All right. So those are the taglines. They actually knew what they were doing. We actually had good taglines for once. All mm. right. And that's it for all the background stuff and Woo! everything. So let's finally get into the discussion. Jesse, give us your thoughts on X. 10 out of 10. Okay. First of all, I was enamored with this movie from the moment it started. I think it's a really beautiful exploration on our society's relationship with sex and all the different perspectives that can go along with it. I think it's a really beautiful look at aging and ageism in our society. I think we've got all of these different ways that these characters seek sexual gratification. And there's a way that the older couple is both the monster and also like very sympathetic. Yeah, it's crazy, honestly. Yeah, like you... You're like, they're terrible, awful kidnapper, rapist, murderers. But also you feel so bad for them. <laughs> yeah. Like Ty West, and he said in the interview that he really wanted everybody to love the characters. And you really do grow to love all of them in their own 
sometimes fucked up ways. Yeah. I think especially nowadays, it's really important for us to embrace movies that embrace a positive relationship with sex and what we have in our group that comes out there to film the movie, particularly the conversation they have right before going into Landslide. Um, that it can be meaningful for some people. It can be casual for others. It's entertaining for some. It's a lot of where people get negative ideas comes from places and ways that they were raised to think that it's something that you're meant to be ashamed of. Which is touched on in this also. Yes. Especially where we've got the televangelists. Yeah. A lot and i think it's really an important discussion to have a sp- like this movie hit a little bit different watching it this weekend after roe versus wade was overturned because that's brought out a lot of really ugly things in people you know oh well if you don't want to get pregnant just keep your legs shut well one putting all the onus on the person with the uterus. Mm -hmm. Two, completely ignoring that rape is a thing. Yeah. Three, is it a precious gift from God or is it a punishment? That argument's a little bit confusing to me. Do do people call it a punishment and like that's their argument for? I mean, saying, oh, well, you should have kept your legs closed. Now you got to deal with the consequences. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. I don't like that either. Four, sex is fun. Sorry if you are unfulfilled in your sex life. Don't tell other people that they have to be miserable also. And on top of that, this ruling, Clarence Thomas, I'm pretty sure it was Clarence Thomas in his decision, said that uh, this is going to prompt them to look at other cases. So yeah, I think this movie is really important in the themes it's touching, especially like it was important in March, but it's even more important now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how this thing hit in a time where it's really crucial, where it's like a really like, I mean, it's a theme that's going on with the country right now too. Yeah, and it addresses it in a positive way, and it's nice. Yeah, in a horror movie, you yeah. get your comfort with this stuff. And I think it's great that like, the horror is both metaphorical and literal. So there's like horror in aging um, from a societal perspective, but also like in your body betraying you. Yeah. Um, there's horror in basically just societal norms. But then you also have like the literal horror is these old people kidnapping sex puppets. Yeah. And killing people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it works. It's. Simple, but nuanced. Okay. I love it. All right. Good thoughts. I agree with you. I think that this is a 10 out of 10. Um, It's, I mean, as I said before, I've always been fascinated with uh, his directing, but like this right here, like the story, the pacing, like the characters, it's all pretty amazing. It's also kind of interesting, just speaking purely on like the horror aspect, how you can take characters like these two people right here, which if you think about how they should be able to like actually react, like 
it's not really feasible for a bunch of like 90 year olds to murder an entire crew of like 20 somethings and like a 40 year old, you know, it's kind of crazy, but the way that this movie works out, like everything is super plausible and it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought whenever we were first watching this movie that this was going to be like, cause like I stay dark on movies whenever I, like I'm wanting to watch it. I don't watch trailers. I don't, like I just stay away from it. So I thought that this was going to be like some kind of, they were a creature type thing. Yeah. Like in the middle of the night, they all turn it into something. But no, like she's straight up like an old woman out there just fucking killing these people. And a lot of it's by circumstance. Which I think is great. And we'll definitely be talking about that more. Yeah. Because a lot of people tried to say it was implausible. But if you really pay attention to the movie, if you don't just say, oh, this old couple fucks up a bunch of young kids. Well, yeah, that's going to sound a little bit like, hmm, how'd they manage to do that? And then when you watch it, you're like, Oh, it makes sense. And it also kind of proves the fucking point that old people are just old. They're not necessarily dead and incapable. No, but I mean, the way that you see these people move in this movie, like they are struggling to walk from point A to point B. But I'm not I'm saying like it's all it all makes sense in this movie. Like that's a testament to the writing to take these two characters who are unlikely to be antagonists. And they do an amazing job of being like a legitimately scary group of killers so yeah i mean you've said everything else about the sex positivity i'm not gonna like echo any of that so i i I love this movie it's great sweet all right let's get into the full-on discussion get into the details the deets the deets okay so it starts off with a really fun shot because this movie looks like it's gonna be all filmy you know it's it's in the aspect ratio it's like the yeah so the aspect, it, when it starts off, you think it's in like a... Four to three, I think is the aspect, aspect yeah. ratio. And then... But actually, you're just, it's a shot through barn doors and then it like zooms in and you're into a more modern aspect ratio. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool that it does that because it like plays with your expectations there. But also throughout the movie, like you get interchanging shots of them like shooting the movie, which you get that same ratio with that. And then you also get these like widescreen shots of just how the normal movie is being filmed. Mm-hmm. Which I think is also a really nice way to kind of differentiate what's on camera versus what's also real life. Like the super like grainy footage and everything. Yeah, but I think, you know, a lot of movies will just rely on like color theory to differentiate. This kind of has the fun bit with the aspect ratio as well. I also appreciate that this movie doesn't go overboard with trying to make you feel like you're watching a movie from 1979. Because, I mean, you do get that feel, but most people would, like, go crazy with, like, applying grain filters and stuff on the movie. Yeah. Like, Rob Zombie does that a lot with this stuff because he wants that feeling. It works for his movies. But for this right here, I appreciate it being, like, just straight up, like, a beautiful movie to watch. So, yeah. It opens up with them. They're all at a barn, and there is this terrible murder scene. By them, he means the police. Oh, I thought you mentioned them already. I didn't. Okay, yes, the police are there. They're investigating. We see the sheriff, like, looks at a body under a blanket. It's pretty bloody. He goes into the house. His deputy comes up, and he's like, you need to come see this. Meanwhile, on TV, and we keep cutting to the TV, which has this televangelist on there. Um, and he's talking about how uh, he knows that the devil's out there because his very own daughter has been taken in by the pervets. Mm. Uh, and 
I listen on its own. This being deep south, I could appreciate the fact that there's just televangelist on, but also being familiar with Ty West's work, I figured it was going to be important. If for no other reason than the messaging that was coming across, but I figured it was tied in somehow, I and I ended up being right. I had no idea. So. I get. I mean, yeah, I didn't expect it I'm to be tied in. Really smart. So I know you're so good. I'm so good. You're so fucking I good. Guess everything. All right. Well, smartest on through the rest of this movie. Okay. Well, the deputy brings the sheriff downstairs to the basement, and they don't show what he's seeing. But uh, when the sheriff, like you cut, you see the sheriff's face reacting, then it goes, ah, 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 and then it cuts to uh, a cut. It cuts to a cut. Yeah. A cutting of Coke, that is. Yeah. just yeah. Which then gets snorted up by a $2 bill. I want to know where Ty West found a $2 bill or if he had one than me. I feel it's like he, fake. Come on. $2 bills still exist out there. I, I know, but like, do you think that they really tracked down like an authentic $2 so. bill? No. I think so. No, man. I it's a prop. So. I think. You think that that was real Coke? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. They said Mia Goth was really dedicated to the character. <laughs> yeah, she was Just the one kidding. That, I'm not saying that Mia Goth does Coke. Okay. I'm not saying that she doesn't. I'm saying that I don't know. Yeah, we're saying we have no idea if Mia Goth does coke or not. <laughs> I have a statement I could say about literally anybody in the entire world, so. Fair enough. Stars, they're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, this is all taking place in like the dressing room of a strip club. Yeah. Wayne comes in and tells her to take it easy. There's so much. There is such thing as too much of a good thing. And I want to tell you all, I did the math on this. So. Throughout the movie, we see her hit a bump of coke, mm-hmm. or take a bump of coke. I don't, I don't do coke. I don't know the right terminology. Uh, four separate times, we see um, a note across the screen that this is twenty-four hours earlier. So we do, we see her do coke at least four times, in in the space of twenty-four hours. So that averages out to once every six hours, which is about how often you are recommended to take ibuprofen. Now, I do not know what the recommended bump size of Coke is, but if she is taking the recommended size, then she is following ibuprofen dosage rules. Maybe there, I mean, I doubt that they have like a recommended (laughs) dosage for this, but maybe she just saw that on the back of a pill bottle one day. She's like, fuck it. I guess it applies to Coke too. Why not? You know, it can be medicine if you want it to be. I think she treats it like medicine. I think she treats it to get through the day. Because <laughs> we see her do it here. She does it after she goes swimming. She does it when she wakes up to Pearl touching her, and she does it in the truck. Yeah, always every time end. she's mm-hmm. like gearing up to do something big. Exactly. Medicine. Oh, fine, whatever. I take ibuprofen when I've got shit going on because I've got old lady joints that hurt. Okay. So, I mean, I gear up Yeah. with my medicine to do things. Okay, well... They're all gearing up because Wayne has got them a location to go film their movie. They're all working on a project together. They all go out of the strip club. The strip club is in like a big junkyard-like area. It has shipping containers. I think there's like a dump. You see manufacturing plants. So this is the first of one of the things I want to point out to you. Bobby Lynn's death is foreshadowed here. I've seen that. Yeah, when she walks out of the building. So uh, the name of the strip club is Bayou Burlesque. 
And on the side of the building is a mural of a woman and an alligator. And when she opens the door, it's like she's coming out of the alligator's mouth. Yeah. Okay. You know what? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see if we can point out any other. Do you have any others yeah. as we go on? Okay. Yeah. I do. Do you have them right now or do you want to like address them closer to the I will depths? go through them as we go to them. As we get to the foreshadowing. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Clearly, I didn't. Clearly, Bobby Lynn didn't just actually get eaten by an alligator. Well, uh, you started with that, and then I thought you were going to go through all of the other ones no. that have happened. No. no. Okay. No. I don't know your thought process, man. That's pretty rude of you. To not know your thought process? Yeah. Well, okay. If you really loved me, you would learn how to read my mind. If you really loved me, you would get me a van that says plowing service on it. I love that the van had plowing service. Do you think that's like to hide what their actual service is? That's like a fuck van, it's right? A, it's a double entendre. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's where that's their bang bus right there. And this is we get like this cool moment. So in the summertime, by Mungo Jerry starts playing, and they're kind of driving down the highway, and then it because it's non diegetic. It's just, you know, movie soundtrack, but then they change the radio station and it suddenly becomes diegetic. I love moments like that. Oh, because, uh, yeah, they're like flipping through the radio. Mm -hmm. They get the preacher on there. Briefly. Yeah, but then they switch it over to that song. No, they switch. That's how they switch off the song. Oh, okay. I yeah. gotcha. Yeah, so he's talking about how they don't need Hollywood. If they make even half the money that Debbie does Dallas, uh, he'll be permanently out of the red. Uh Bobby Lynn says, like, oh, well, that's what you said about the topless car wash. And he was like, yeah, well, if the IRS didn't have it out for me, which, listen, most of the characters are likable and Wayne has his moments. But of the non-murdering characters, Wayne's probably the least likable. Really? I, I like his character. I think he's a lot of I fun. I like his character, but as a human. They um, they were I was reading an interview where they were talking about, like, inspirations for their characters. And they, um, he said that they like kind of discuss. He's kind of approaches like a used car salesman. You know type who guy. I equated him with who? Buck Strickland. I can see that too. I mean, yeah, and he kind of, he's kind of got like a Matthew McConaughey like presence to him too. But um, I mean, he's they're all supposed to, like you said they're all supposed to be likable in their own unique way. I think that he's like he's got that charisma to him like, yeah he definitely has charisma he's able to like gather up this whole group of people to you know make a movie also just speaking of like the character like how they came up with like how to model their performance with bobby lynn they modeled it a lot after dolly parton because um they were talking about how like because i mean in the scene we're about to get where um she makes suggestions about the movie like the whole point of her is she's she knows how to use her looks and her beauty like, to her advantage, but she's also smart mm -hmm. and can also, you know, just be like a, an intelligent person when she needs to be also. She can like has the best of both. I do love her line here, though, where uh, they're talking about their American dreams. And so she wants a paid for house with a big old pool so she can lay with her knees in the breeze and tan these titties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they stop at a convenience store and Max has this, Maxine has this speech about how she wants to be famous. She wants to live the high life. She says, I deserve nice things. I have cosmopolitan tastes. And she also says that she hates being stared at. And he's like, well, you got to get used to that if you want to be a movie star. 
Uh, and we also learned that the reason they're not filming in Houston is because the, ca- the county they're going to has a higher tax rate. Therefore, a little bit money goes a longer way. I don't fully understand, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, to film, like to get like filming permits for stuff like that, they would have to probably do that in Houston. And it's more expensive to do that. So they're going full on guerrilla filming with this. They have, um, by the way, so the person that is staring is uh, Jenna Ortega's character, Lorraine. Who... Well... In the convenience store, it was the cashier. Oh, well, they're, they're also talking about um, Lorraine, about like how she just doesn't talk, and she all she does is stare at people. She's joining with RJ, who is the guy that is directing the movie. He really wants to experiment with the edit, make it avant-garde, which will also disguise the low budget. Yeah. And <laughs> then he's, like, saying all of this, and, like, you know, uh, Bobby Lynn's asking, like, why don't we have to film it in order and all this and that? And, you know, he goes off on this little film school rant. And then she goes, you know, if you film it from back here, it'll look like the gas nozzles his cock. Yeah. <laughs> and then they all do it. And then I got like Kid Cudi's performance. He's like, Kid Cudi is here. He is Jackson. He is the male performer in the porn movie. I want to see him in more horror movies. I, really I misheard you and thought you said porn movies. <laughs> Yeah, I think that he would be great in uh, like more horror movies. He's actually a really good actor. He's got like a pretty extensive filmography, if you check it out. Really? Mm-hmm. He was in Entourage. Um, he's been in um, other TV shows and other movies. Um, nothing that I've ever watched, but I gotta look through his filmography. He's got a lot of music videos, like you know how most musical artists do. But yeah, he's got like legit acting chops. Uh, as they're driving to the barn, they pass a wreck where a semi hit a cow. Sand. Oh, poor cow. I don't understand the significance of this. I feel like I heard somebody say something somewhere, but I don't know. Uh, it does give Maxine a chance to say that she hates blood and guts. So she hates staring and she hates blood and guts. She's about to get a lot of both. Yeah, yeah. So they get to the farm. Uh, Lorraine and RJ are kind of fighting about smut versus art. She didn't really fully realized what the film was when she agreed to help him i don't think i don't think so either yeah i know it's we had this great little exchange between her and bobby lynn at the gas station that we didn't talk about where uh bobby lynn asked her like oh do you often help your boyfriend on his films and she said sometimes yeah and then she looks over at uh jackson and says is he your boyfriend and bobby lynn says sometimes yeah yeah she's got a lot of good dialogue in this scene she really does just in this movie in general so we get the homagiest of homages to Texas Chainsaw Massacre as Wayne knocks on the front door of this farmhouse. Dude, even before that, like on the van trip, like the shot of them in the van where it's like in the dashboard just yeah. going back. Like, I mean, this movie through and through is heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw. Oh, definitely. Uh, he wants to talk to Howard and Howard comes out with a rifle and he says, you're a tre- uh, shotgun. I don't know the fucking difference, whatever. Uh, he's like, you're trespassing. Law says I can shoot. And he's like, no, no, we're there for the boarding house. We talked earlier. And Howard's like, it's not loaded anyway. Most of the time, the gun's enough to, waving it around is enough to scare people off. Um, and Wayne says, I keep the same thing in my van. And you had seen, like, Maxine reaching for the gun in the glove compartment at the same time. Yeah, but also, like, whenever Wayne gets back to the car... She notices that there's like this old lady just staring up in the second floor, just mm-hmm. kind of like creepily. So we see Howard struggling on the walk to this house. 
Like from from the See, farmhouse to the boarding this house. This is what I was talking about. He gets winded walking from the house to the boarding house. Like a total of what, 100 feet? But I wonder if he's playing them. He could be, but I don't know. Like If they have ads up for boarding and this is not their first sex kidnapping, then The I rest mean, of their movement throughout this movie suggests to me that they are not playing them here and this is him legitimately struggling. But I will also say, as an asthmatic, sometimes it do be worse than others. Yeah. Sometimes I do need to stop and catch a breath, especially in the middle of summer when it's hot and humid and you're in grass and there's all that pollen. The nighttime can be a little bit friendlier than the daytime. Uh, so we hear a lot of comments between the younger folks uh, related to age, appearance, and ability. Um, just a lot of that dialogue is peppered in throughout here. Um, they get to the to the boarding house, and Howard says that this was a house used to uh, use for soldiers during the Civil War. And he asks Wayne if he ever served, and Wayne said, flat feet. And Jackson kind of speaks up, and he said he did two tours in Vietnam. And then he says, I've had enough old farmers pointing guns at me for one lifetime, if you know what I'm saying, Pops. Oorah. That is uh, how he ends up dying. So did you figure all this out yourself? I did. Okay, because it's kind of funny. I'm really smart. Well, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> funny to me because, like, I was looking at IMDb. This is all in, like, the trivia. <laughs> all this right here, the, all the things that you've listed so far. I'm not saying that you didn't. I wanted you to be impressed with me. I am. No, I'm impressed that you're picking it up because I never picked it up myself. And whenever I saw that, I didn't think about it. Well, uh, after Howard leaves, they all talk about how uncomfortable he made them. And I forgot exactly what Lorraine says, but she says, you don't want to. Uh, give him a heart attack do you oh uh-huh. see that one didn't go mentioned. yeah yeah <laughs> so because uh later on he shoots her after she runs outside of the house and he pulls her in and as he pulls her in she has like one Fuck. final death <laughs> spasm yeah and he is <laughs> scared to death that's a great name for a horror movie death spasm <laughs> death gasm i know death gasm but death spasm it's a whole other thing. I like it. <laughs> so they start filming. Lorraine looks turned on. Jackson doesn't want to be directed by RJ. Um, and RJ yeah. looks a little like wounded by it. And Bobby Lynn starts laughing. And so RJ wants to catch her laughing real quick. And then as soon as she sees the cameras on her, she goes right back into a sexy face. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, I mean, yeah, he's just trying to like direct. He's like, all right, flip her over, you know, all that stuff. He's like, just leave the screw into me. You do the filming. Like we all <laughs> stick in our own lane. <laughs> and then you can also see uh, Lorraine. She's sneaking looks. She's like kind of starting to smile a little bit. She's liking what she's seeing. Mm hmm. So Maxine wanders off to a pond, and we see Pearl in the background, really creepily, and Maxine skinny dips. Um, We cut back to the house real quick, and Wayne is talking to RJ out in the hall, talking about how great this film is, and he predicts his own death, and he says people's eyes are going to pop out of their skulls when they see this. And then he tells RJ to feel how hard his cock is. <laughs> Too bad that that's not how, like, that's not the foreshadowing right there. That that actually could have been, like, a good tagline right there. Feel how hard my cock is right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is the foreshadowing, though, because his eyes do get popped out of his head. I know. I'm, okay. I'm not, like, I, well, I You said too bad that's not the foreshadowing. 
Too bad the caught grabbing is not the foreshadowing. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's the foreshadowing in pieces. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Brutal way to go. Never mind. I don't wish for that. I don't like seeing that. Then we get to the alligator scene. So Maxine is out in the middle of the pond, and we see an alligator. And I just want everybody to know that if you play the alligator song from Peter Pan over top of this scene, it lines up perfectly, and it's you amazing. You did this on our first watch whenever we bought this. <laughs> and, you know, I was skeptical at first, but honestly, it works. It does. It's kind of nice. <laughs> I need to make an edit of it, but... Yeah, it's a nice tense scene. And whenever we were first watching it, I kind of thought that this was just, like... You know it's not going to get her, but like I didn't think that this was going to play any importance later. I was just thinking like, okay, they're just using the alligator as like a scare here to get you tense, and that's it. But no, it does become a thing later, kind of as you mentioned with Bobby Lynn. Chekhov's gator. Yeah, that's the term. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the term. Uh, So then there's some more filming happening, and it's intercut with the scene of Pearl and Maxine. So like... In the porno, Bobby Lynn's inviting Jackson in for some lemonade, whereas as Maxine is trying to walk to the boarding house, Pearl kind of like gestures to her from the farmhouse, and Travis turns to me, and he said, he like pauses it for a second, and he says, what does she look like right here? And I said, you mean with her hair and her dress blowing in the wind exactly like this? And he said, yes. And at the same time, we said, return the slab. So, and it is kind of uncanny. You wouldn't notice it if you didn't look at it at just the right time, but it's there. For those that don't know, that is like an episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's a mummy that's holding like a, he's wanting his slab back. So he's just standing out there with wind blowing. It looks exactly like it. But no, I did notice this. Um, So yeah, she goes over there into the house. By the way, the house is almost like an exact replica of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Down right to the shots of that like hallway where you're like you see through the front screen door. But I mean, it's the same thing. They're filming the scene with Bobby Lynn and Jackson doing the lemonade. Like she he knocks on the door and she invites him in. Pearl is inviting Maxine in to drink lemonade also. Um, Then it gets to the shot of Bobby Lynn trying to seduce Jackson while you also get the shot of uh, Pearl. Like while they're there staring at all of her old pictures, she's kind of giving her own backstory, but she's also trying to make a move on Maxine. Yeah. So Pearl's like showing her photo. She said that her Howard was in both world wars. She's talking about the power of beauty. And then she like, cause she's just uh she's full on farmer Tom in season three of survivor and just wearing overalls and nothing else. And, um, sorry, we're doing a rewatch of Survivor and I get infuriated every time we go to tribal council and I have to watch Tom's side boob. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't have the same effect yeah. as Maxine does. Yeah. And I don't think I would be bothered by it if I hadn't just been, you know, obsessed with a movie where there's a lot of side boob, like, but now I'm comparing the side boobs and I'm not body shaming anyone. I'm just saying like, it's, not it's, it's changed my standards for your side boob. Yeah, I, I can't argue against it. I mean, I'm, I'll say it. It's not a good look for Farmer Tom, but for Maxine, it's a nice <laughs> look. You know, you even did like the little uh, cosplay whenever you did your um, like your dress up of X and yeah. you, you knocked it out too. It's a nice look. I was wearing a tank top underneath though. Well, yeah. Yeah. Jesse wasn't that naked. Listen, I have a day job. <laughs> I can't I can't be boasting yeah. side boob on the internet. But yeah, so she goes back to the farmhouse. She's a little freaked out. 
We see her coconut again, and she uh, says her little mantra, I will not accept a life I do not deserve. Uh, we get some more filming in the barn. Um, cut we, get, with uh, we get Maxine scene. We get Maxine scene, but we also get the foreshadowing for RJ because he says cut. No, that's not the foreshadowing I have for RJ. It's a joke. Oh. Because he gets cut up pretty bad. He gets stabbed. Everyone says he's cut. His head gets decapitated. Listen, listen, I'm going to explain what the foreshadowing is to you here in a minute. You know, okay, I'll, I'm going to stop making comments on the foreshadowing. You should. Yeah. I, I've I, got this. I've got it. I won't make any more. I won't make light of it anymore because I've done it twice with the dick grabbing and with the cut. And now I'll just stop. Yeah. Uh, so this filming is intercut with Pearl. Um um, she's like getting ready up in her vanity and then she's watching through the window at the barn. Uh, she goes back to her, her house and she tries to seduce Howard and Howard's like, you know, I can't in my heart. And she looks so fucking sad. <laughs> the way he said that. I'm not like, the whole thing is so sad. It is sad. Like, I mean, because, I mean, this is where you get that sympathy for them because she sees, I mean, she walked down there. She made eye contact with Maxine while she's having sex and like she just she sees herself in Maxine and just watching other people do this. She's that's all she wants is like that normal sex life. She can't have it with Howard. He I mean, they're like he just has like a health condition. He can't do it. He has the risk of dying. And you understand where both of them are coming from, because, yeah. you know, like I don't blame him. Like if it's life or death, but like, I don't know. Like, yeah. You also feel really bad for her because she you can see how upset it makes her. Yeah. So afterwards at the boarding house, uh, all the kids are sitting around talking about how the filming went. Um, and Maxine finally gets fed up and asks Lorraine why she stares all the time. And then uh, Lorraine's just kind of like, she asks, you know, she's like, how do you guys do this? Like, you're all in relationships, but why are you okay watching everybody I think with each other she's mostly just asking this to maxine and wayne because i mean bobby lynn and jackson aren't really in a relationship i don't think they are right now it's well, been established that they are i that comment i think was mostly meant because she just like films like she's like doing this porno with them like sometimes that's her boyfriend because that's what they're doing well, on scene i get the interpretation that they do actually have a relationship together too yeah, maybe they do. I don't know. I just if it was purely professional, I don't think they would like go to bed in the same bed. I would if up. they have limited beds. There's a couch. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, they all seem super like close and carefree. Like, they don't have any worries about anything like mm -hmm. that. I don't think even if they were friends, they would mind sharing a bed. No, I get the vibe that this is. It's possible, but I think it's even more but, important for Wayne and Maxine because whenever Howard was staring at Maxine earlier, he said, hey, what are you looking at? That's my future fiancé. By the way, not even not his... stupid. Yeah, yeah. his fiancé. Like, what does that even mean? But, like, you know, that right there is, like, implying that they're in a somewhat serious relationship and he just watched somebody just have sex with his wife, you know? And this is where they all have this really interesting discussion about what sex means to them and they're like it's a difference between you know love and sex and sometimes they can go together and sometimes they don't sometimes it's just business everybody wants it they won't always admit it you, you can't know? control who you're attracted to you can mm -hmm. control who you love also can't. debatable but well well yeah yeah 
But yeah. This is just what they're saying. Yeah. And then they do a toast to the perverts. And then we have this really, really beautiful scene um, with Landslide is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Jackson's Jackson. playing the guitar and Bobby Lynn's singing. And it cuts between. Um, it's a splash shot of Pearl. She's up in her room getting ready. She's like, you know, at her vanity. She's not getting ready. She's taking the makeup off. Oh, is she? Yeah, this is uh, after Howard's already rejected her. Oh, uh, yeah, it's really sad, man. Like, I mean, it's a great way to shoot this scene because... And it's a perfect song to fit with it, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, it is. And you're getting, like, the side-by-side, like, comparison. Like, this is, like, you know, the older age person here, and then you get, like, the whole, like, youth. Like, these people just getting their life started. And, like, I mean, I remember, like, watching this in theaters. Like, I was just... Like, it, it hits you. Like, you feel bad. Like, I didn't I expect to feel this. I am getting goosebumps just talking about it right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I... I went into the movie expecting like, oh, it's going to be a fun horror movie where they're shooting a porno and it's going to be like all kinds of blood and guts and shit like that. And then here we are. We have this like really deep scene and it's actually like invoking thought. So after this uh, montage of sorts, Lorraine says she wants to do a scene in the film. And RJ sputters a bit because the truth of the matter is he doesn't want Lorraine to do the scene mm-hmm. which is fine except he doesn't use his words he has spent the entire movie up until now telling Lorraine that this isn't smut this isn't dirty this isn't skeevy this is art yeah and Lorraine is saying that she's liked what she's seen she agrees with them that she thinks this is going to be a really great film and she wants to be a bigger part of it than just holding the boom mm-hmm. so and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at both sides of this here. <laughs> um, from her perspective, everything up until now, she's been encouraged to see this as a part of positive experience that she should want to be a part of. Yeah. And now she's stepping up to say she wants to be a part of it. She's I like that she's taking an active role in what she wants to do with her own body. Um, and RJ's defense is not that he feels uncomfortable with her doing it. He's like. Well, the movie can't just change like that part way through. It's already written. We've already filmed half of it. I and think he knew that he fucked up with how he had been mm-hmm. going about it the entire time. So he tried to find every justification he could. Other than just saying, hey, that's not what our relationship dynamic is or what I am comfortable with our relationship dynamic. Yeah. Being. I mean, don't go about it in like a controlling manner because he kind of does that because yeah. it's just flat out like, no, that's not it, happening. It seemed like... When she truly didn't want to have a voice or any kind of agency in it, she was fine. He was fine with it. But the second she went having her own ideas. Well, I think, I mean, they're both kind of passively involved at that point, And they're both like at the same involvement with her offering to be a part of the movie. It's kind of a little, it's a whole new layer. No, he's the director, though. He's not as he's... passively involved in the way she is. But passively involved i'm talking about not actually having sex with somebody like they're behind the camera involved both of them i mean he's the director you know it's his movie but like he's not fucking anybody like he's not the director and star of the movie you know some people do that like (laughs) i want to get my dick sucked i'm making a movie about a guy that gets his dick sucked (laughs) (laughs) the end but the i mean i understand too where she's coming from and i also understand where he's coming from he's just like for her 
I don't understand the surprise. Like, I kind of do it with the way you're talking about it, but like also you have to kind of understand that yes, you are free to do those things, but there are also consequences to those actions. And in this case, like it affected him, it hurt him, but he didn't effectively communicate why. And he just did a poor job. It was a poor job of communication on both ends. Yes, I was going to say it's poor communication on both ends. They were both right and justified in how they feel, but they are honestly probably just young and stupid and didn't didn't use their grown-up words to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I do need to take a second and point out this is where his death gets foreshadowed. So when he makes the comment about the movie can't just change halfway through, she's like, what are you kidding? You like Psycho. And, you know, he kind of goes on about... I like his justification. He's like, well, it's a MacGuffin. that was a MacGuffin. But you know how everybody Psycho dies? Psycho is a horror picture. You know how everybody dies in Psycho? They get stabbed a lot. Like, you, a lot. You think that's a... Mm-hmm. It could be. He's also the first death, like, when things change. Yeah. Like, he is that hard cut in the movie. That's true. Yeah, so, I, I can see that. So, uh, Wayne takes RJ out to talk. And I do like his line. He was like, now you ain't been 43, but I have been 24. Yeah. Let me tell you. Which is the kind of line that when you're 23, you, you fucking don't. hate to hear. Yeah, but you, when you're 43, you're like, I, I get it. I understand. Like, because, yeah, it makes sense. But, like, yeah, fuck that. Like, I'm not, like, it's just different. I don't know. Like, you have kinda to, like, like, if there was, like, a 30 year old on a podcast that talked about the 80s being a really long time ago. And if you were like, that's not that long ago. And he was like, well, it kind of is. But then if that same 30 year old, heard a 20 year old talking about the 90s being so long ago he'd be like fuck you i would agree i'd be like fuck yeah you're right <laughs> like I, I know it is <laughs> but i'm gonna get a lot of like uh people from the 80s just messaging me like you fucking piece of shit you know my mom listens to this podcast and she talks all the time about how sometimes some of our understandings of references really highlights our age it, I'm not calling people from the <laughs> '80s old. I'm just saying <laughs> that, like, th- the film does a good job of taking you back in time effectively. I finally got that out an hour later. Here we are. That is not what it sounded like where you were going with it earlier. Well, I didn't get a chance to go with it because I got completely derailed. Anyway, the girls go and get Lorraine ready. Jackson does push-ups and that's a legitimate RJ- thing. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay, I mean, just so you get swole from doing workouts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. Just people laugh at the push-up thing, but like, it, it's a legitimate thing. Yeah, people no, do it all the time. I, I like the touch of it. That's why I put it down. I wasn't making fun of him doing push-ups. I like that he was doing the push-ups. Okay, I'm just I'm making everybody knows push-ups is a real thing that'll that helps show scenes. Um, RJ is crying behind the camera. This is sad. This whole scene is sad, honestly. Like, I mean, we had people laughing at it in the theaters, but like whenever I was there, I'm like, holy shit, like this makes you feel kind of bad, honestly. Um, I think it's the scene where he's crying in the shower that people laughed at. Oh, well, that's even also sad. Before we get there, I have a very important question. Yeah. Do we think this movie was taking place on a Sunday? Is that what it says? Her underwear. She's got like the day of the week underwear and it says Sunday. I don't think so. She seems like the type, though, that would match up her underwear to the day of the week. Does she? 
Yeah. We don't really get a lot of character for her. Like, I can't really say one way or another. I just know that she was really quiet and suddenly she wanted to fuck. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I know about her. Maybe in somewhere in between, she also wears underwear with the day of the week. <laughs> it could be possible. <laughs> See, I've always been intrigued by those, um, except I would want to wear them um, on like such an implausibly incorrect day. See, to that's the one point thing she did here. Where people wonder, like, is she fucking with us or has she not changed her socks in three days? Oh, you're talking about socks. Well, I'm thinking about socks are the ones that I was familiar with growing up. Okay, because I was thinking, like, you were thinking about this with underwear. And I'm like, how many people are you expecting to see your underwear? Listen, Travis, that's not your business. <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of RJ. <laughs> it's getting RJ up in here. <laughs> okay, so yes, she has sex with Jackson. What? This is so stupid. <laughs> Y'all gonna make me R my J up in here, up in here. <laughs> oh my god. It is stupid. <laughs> So, yes, she has, she films her sex scene. RJ has to actually film it. And I feel bad because, like, Wayne is, like, right there and, like, it's slow motion. And Wayne walks in in slow motion. He, like, basically looks at RJ like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, my God, you're doing it. <laughs> um, later, we see sad RJ in the shower while everybody else is asleep. Um, this I feel bad for him. We've all had a good shower cry, and nobody deserves to be laughed at during that. And I really think it's just because he was a man that people were laughing at him crying in the shower. It, yeah, I'm sure that has something to do with it. I just I don't understand. I think people get confused when they're watching movies, especially horror movies, and they think <laughs> like horror movies especially like they think that they have to laugh at these uncomfortable moments. They don't like let the full discomfort that the scene is supposed to be like actually settle in. But maybe, I mean, some people also laugh at discomfort. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's true. Um, So after he's sad, he gets mad and he's like, I'm going to leave without them. Let them find their own way home. As he's driving off, he sees Pearl and he has to stop the van because she's in the way. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, So he, he walks out of the van to check on her, see if she's okay. And she like comes on to him, tries to kiss him. Um, and then he's like, "What are you doing?" And um, he's like, "I don't, I don't want this with you. Let's go find your husband." And I mean, he's a little bit abrupt, but he's completely right to say no. No means no in yeah. that moment. And um, when she gets rejected, she gets mad and she stabs him a lot. This is and it's really like it kind of comes out of nowhere because it's just like, like holy shit! Like I didn't expect it in that moment. But yeah, she. I'm surprised that this, I mean, like, no pun intended, this didn't give this movie an X rating because, like... It's graphic. It it's lingers visceral. on the shots yeah. of it happening. Maybe it's because of the DVD or the Blu-ray that we got. Maybe it wasn't like this in theaters. But she stabs his head so much that he gets decapitated. And the music is really cool in this scene. So, like, she when she's in her frenzy, is like, you know, the build-up, Don't Fear the Reaper. And mm-hmm. then she stands up, and it kind of transitions into this cover of Wee Wee Marie. And she dances for a second, then it goes right back into Don't Fear the Reaper. Because she was a ballerina, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, doing her ballerina moves. She was talking to Maxine about that. Lorraine Uh, wakes up, realizes realizes, realizes RJ's gone. Um, She's kind of looking around for him. Wayne wakes up while Lorraine's up, and, you know, 
he's like, you know, it's fine. She's like, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to break up over this. Um, and he's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like, Wayne just really wants to go back to bed. <laughs> um, yeah. And she goes, well, he's missing. And he's like, he'll be back. He probably just need to go clear his head. And um, she's like, well, but will you help me look for him? Yeah, and I mean, he's just finally like, fine. And they notice the van is still there, so they don't think he's left yet. So, yeah. yeah, they actually go looking. She goes up to the house. He goes into the barn where they filmed the scene earlier. Yeah. So Howard sees Lorraine, and he asks um, it. At first, it seems like he's going to ask what she's doing out there, and then he goes, well, have you seen my wife? Yeah, I mean, in here, like, you you started to think maybe, like, she just kind of, like, has these episodes, and she's just going out there, and he knows, like, what might be happening. Yeah. Um, that's kind of just based off of the trailers. Yeah. What I thought the situation was going to be. Um, so, Wayne is in the barn, and he says a lot of dialogue that makes me dislike him right before he dies. Like Talking about getting women, like... Yeah. Females. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, he ends up stepping on a nail. I, he does have a nice line where, like, he, after he steps on the nail, cow like kind of moves at him, and he goes, "Shut up, cheeseburger! Go get hit by a truck." <laughs> yeah. Um. Then he notices um somebody on the other side of the barn. He thinks that it's RJ, so he goes to like peek through the hole. But as he does that, boom! Fucking pitchfork goes through the hole. Into his eyeballs. Into his eye. And meanwhile, Lorraine is up there with Howard, and Howard is trying to get a flashlight. He's got his from upstairs. He tells her to go down to the cellar to pick up the spare one. So she goes down there. Because he's worried that Pearl is going to fall and break her hip. Yeah. Which ends up happening to her later in the movie. Oh, look at you. There you go, man. You got him. Got him off. Does, does Lorraine have one? Does Lorraine... She gets her face blown off. Oh, shit. I was just thinking about how she killed Howard. I didn't pay attention for the one where um, that foreshadows her death. Mm, maybe we'll think, figure it <sighs> out as we're talking. It. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe she, yep. Yeah, I don't know. So she goes and gets the flashlight, and she gets back up. And of, co- of course the cellar door is locked. Yeah. Of course it is. You never go into a stranger's basement. You Wait. don't go into a stranger's van, and you don't go into a stranger's basement. But before that, didn't she see the body? Yeah, she gets no. The it's after she's locked in. Okay. She realizes she's locked in, so she's gonna try and find an alternate way out. When she does, she she proves why she's modern scream queen because this scream is chilling. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's like on the cover. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, this is what the deputy and sheriff saw at the beginning of the movie, and it's a man hanging from like shackles. Yeah, and um. He's got no shirt on and his pants are pulled down to his ankles and his pelvis and dick are bruised and pussy and he's died. An interesting thing about this, if you paid attention to the scenes earlier with the milk carton, he's on the milk carton as a missing person. Oh. Yeah. And also a thing, this is in 1979, milk carton, like missing people, that wasn't until I think in the 80s. So... It's kind of incorrect, but also for the movie's sake, it's kind of a nice little detail. I think that was uh, one of the things people brought up in Fear Street 1994 was one of the fonts that was being used in their oh, instant messaging. Fuck off with that. <laughs> That's stupid to complain about. <laughs> um, so Jackson and Bobby Lynn both wake up at the same time. 
And Jackson tells Bobby Lynn to go right back to sleep, and she does. I feel like this is very much like our household because I hardly wake up to... I wake up to my anxieties and extra loud alarm clocks and nothing else. And I feel like you wake up to all the other sounds. And occasionally we'll wake up at the same time and usually like I'll be confused and just plop right back down. I'll go up and investigate things too sometimes. But yeah, he goes out. Um, he notices Howard is outside. So he goes to like talk to him. Howard is basically just saying, I'm, I'm afraid Pearl is fall- like she might be falling into the lake. She wonders down by the pond sometimes whenever she has these like little episodes yeah and uh, jackson's like uh do you want some help you know once a marine always a marine not for man but for country Ooh, mm-hmm. uh let me go put on my skivvies and then you skivvies. see his dick hanging down to his fucking knees yeah big old big old shadow dong which that's what you get when you executive <laughs> produce a movie yeah you you know, give your, me that swing your big old dick around give me that penis <laughs> you got to choose it. <laughs> That's why he executive produced it because he's yeah. like, oh, we need a better penis budget up on this film. Uh, EP stands for both executive produce and enormous penis. I have or executive PP. Either one. I like them all. <laughs> <laughs> so Howard uh, gets him to go down there. They are at the pond and they're searching around. Basically, he gives Howard the flashlight because he used to like search for landmines and um so he like goes off searching on his own he hears like a sound from howard and goes to investigate it he notices that the flashlight is in the water so he thinks that he's tripped and fallen and is probably drowning but it turns out howard's fine he just kind of used it as like a little scare tactic and then here's where howard starts to like you're like maybe this guy is so nice well yeah and then i mean like howard is also kind of like talking about like i can't give her what she wants anymore I don't know. I, I, he, she wants sex all the time. I can't do it. And then um, Jackson noticed a bunch of cars in the pond where they've been doing this with many people before. He even mentions, I think, to Jackson about like the last couple, mentioning how they were like the same type of people coming down. Bohemians. Yeah, just like enticing his wife. And then he shoots him in the chest with that rifle that he said was unloaded at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. So he lied. He lied. Meanwhile, we see Pearl creeping through the house, getting naked and climbing into bed with Maxine. So creepy. While Lorraine is down in the basement and being smart as a person trapped in the basement, looking for tools. Yeah. Which is not smart on the part of the basement owner trying to kidnap people, leaving all of these weapons down there for them. Yeah. I mean, and she finds a hatchet. So yeah. she goes up to the like the main door and starts hatcheting the door open. Which, okay, first of all, she is a little bit stupid because she chooses the far side of the door so she can't reach the lock as easily. Oh, yeah. And she might not have gotten her hand all busted up if she hadn't done that. I'm impressed that they pulled that off so well because, like, it all stays on there. It's like a single shot, like the hammer or whatever just banging on her hand, just breaking it. Yeah. It's it's really well done. Howard comes in as she's trying to unlock the basement door and just smashes the fuck out of her hand, like breaks a lot of bones, knocks some of her fingers basically off. Yeah. It's, it's bloody. It's gnarly. Um, and he's like, quit screaming, you're only making it worse for yourself. And then he turns the televangelist up real, real loud. Um, Lorraine, not Lorraine, Maxine, who is asleep in her makeup, which pisses me off. Yeah. It's bad for your skin. 
Somebody's trying to be a movie star. Should we take a better care of her, better care of her skin? Um, she wakes up and sees Pearl in her bed and screams and she wakes up Bobby Lynn. And I swear to God, every time we watch this movie, I have misremembered the speed of this line because I always feel like it's a lot slower. She was in my bed touching me. But in the movie, it goes a lot faster. Like, She's in my bed touching me. Uh, like it's i know it doesn't sound different when i say it out loud but like in my head it sounds completely different yeah i mean she's freaking out like i would yeah. be panicking too i mean like this naked person just in my bed that i don't even know like which pearl just like scurries away naked yeah she yeah, yeah she really she, does you know what she kind of looks like scurrying away what uh you know it chapter two where Penny the, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 where she's in the background mm-hmm. oh my god that's another scene where people laughed at it instead of because that fucking movie sucked it chapter two okay sorry so she's um, so angry about it chapter two it still. sucks so she goes and she's cleaning herself off maxine is while bobby lynn decides Which- to go looking for jackson Maxine does some coke before this, so she's not thinking straight. She should have just hopped in the shower, but instead she gets dressed yeah. and then gets a wet washcloth and is trying to. I was thinking about that too. Like, I, it's so weird. Like, you're already naked. Just like get in the shower as is and wash it off. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. Like, the coke definitely clouded her judgment there. Yeah, Bobby Lynn decides she's going to go searching for Jackson and Wayne. And while she's out there, she sees a naked pearl on the edge of the dock, and she tries to help. And she's a little bit of that, like, overbearing, like, means well, but kind of assumes all older people are helpless and maybe have dementia or whatever. She was talking and, about it like her but, mom. Yeah, but she's talking about how her, yeah. gr- not her mom, her, her grandma. grandma. Yeah. She was like, my, my nana gets confused sometimes, too. Believe it or not, I was almost going to be a nurse. I was really good at taking care of her. Let's get you inside. Like, she wraps her blanket around her and, like... She clearly means really well. She doesn't want Pearl to fall in the water, and then Pearl slaps her. Yeah. This is like an unexpected scene, but I like and it. I love the conversation between the two of them. She goes, well, fine. I was just trying to help. And then Pearl's like, you fucking whore. And then Bobby Lynn's like, uh, I'm not going to apologize for enjoying my life the way you wish you had enjoyed yours. You mean, nasty, ugly, old. And then Pearl pushes her into the water Calls her a bitch, and then the alligator eats her. That delivery is perfect too. Like it just like it's just panned up at her, and she's like, "Bitch." <laughs> yeah. I said, "Bitch." <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Maxine is still in there cleaning up, and she hears Howard and Pearl. They are both yeah. going into the boarding house. Howard asks if that was the one, and Pearl's like, "You know, I don't like blondes." Oh yeah. So you kind of get the, now you understand that this was a plan. This is something they've been doing for a while. The pieces are fully there together. Pearl says she she really wants Maxine. She thinks she's special. And she's like, I'm sick and tired of never getting what I want. And then they kind of honestly like have this like really heartbreakingly sweet dialogue. And she's like, tell me that you want me. And he's like, always. And like. If it weren't for the kidnapping, raping, and murdering. I like, know. I'm that's the thing. Like, this movie does such a good job. Like, like these people, I'm rooting for these kids. <laughs> they just killed so many people. But then here you're like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. Like, sympathetic. And meanwhile, then Howard actually starts to have sex with her. And this is a scene that pissed me off in the movie theaters where everybody thought it was a joke. And some people online thought it was even, like, 
filmed and played up for laughs. And I'm like, you missed the point of the movie completely if you think this was meant in any way to be funny or to be making fun of. Yeah, I mean, it's accurate representation. I mean, like, I think it's kind of interesting that, like, you hear Pearl going, fuck me, fuck me. (laughs) Which, you know, that's kind of funny considering all that we've seen so far. But, like, you know, I mean, this is a real thing. Like, well, people have sex, too. Yeah. It's It's not that big of a deal. Um, Maxine is stuck under the bed while this is happening and she takes advantage of, um, their intimacy to sneak out of the house. Yeah. Uh, she goes running, finds the van, but notices immediately that the tire is slashed. Also notices RJ's head is slashed. Yes. Um, then she hears Lorraine banging on the cellar door, so she grabs the gun from the glove compartment and she lets Lorraine out of the basement. She's like trying to keep her calm. She's like, we got to stick together. And Lorraine's like, I hate you. This is all your fault. I should have never listened to you. Should have never listened to you. That makes me speculate that she, because before they denied that she had any influence in like getting Lorraine to do that scene. And I'm thinking maybe like she did, maybe like maybe they did have a conversation. I don't know. Like, because this is kind of like the thing that like put, everything into like play here like if that hadn't happened rj wouldn't have escaped and gone to the van wouldn't have gotten killed she wouldn't have gone out to look for him and then she got trapped in the house as a result i mean i i mean i think it's possible but they all denied it but you know whatever but anyways she freaks out and she decides to just go running out of the house and then as soon as she steps out the door boom she gets fucking shot in the face and her face explodes and then this is uh, Pearl says, it's okay. We don't need her anymore. We have each other again. No. God damn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is where Howard starts to drag her body in. And she's got like a death spasm, which gives Howard a heart attack, which I mean, yeah, that's pretty scary. I think it's funny that that's what kills him, though. Like, all of a sudden, she just goes, Bleh. he's like, Gah. At least he got one final fuck. And that's the thing that didn't kill him. Like, he survived it. And then he's like, all right, I guess I can have sex now. And then, What if the last thing he's thinking before he dies is like, God damn it, I could have had so much more sex and yeah. not died. And this is what I was going to go out. <laughs> um, Maxine comes out with the gun. She demands the keys to the truck. And Pearl's just like, he's having a heart attack. You got to help me. And she's like, I don't give a shit. And she says at the same time as the TV... I will not accept a life I do not deserve. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note that earlier that like Maxine had made some comments about like people shaming you for enjoying your life. Yeah. And, you know, you get the sense she was raised um, pretty Very conservatively. Christian. Yes. Um, so she... Try- she shouts at Pearl to stop fucking staring. Then she tries to shoot her. This gun's empty. It's like Wayne, a switcheroo. Yeah, Wayne was telling the truth about his gun being empty, and Howard was the schemer. Mm-hmm, yeah. Schemer. Um, so Pearl picks up Howard's uh, rifle or shotgun or whatever the fuck and tries to shoot Maxine, but she is, you know, 80 pounds and gets thrown back from the recoil. Finally, meaningful recoil in a horror movie. I saw Thank you. how they did this scene. Like, they actually had that person harnessed up to, like, wires and stuff, and then they just, like, whoosh, like threw them out of the That's <laughs> the pretty door. common. Yeah, I mean, but it's impressive to see it, like, how they actually did that. Yeah, so she um, falls and she breaks her hip. 
And uh, she does a classic, like, narcissist thing. She's like, help me. And Maxine <laughs> goes, fuck you. And Pearl, or no, Maxine just kind of goes, shh. And Pearl's like, har. <laughs> oh, and uh, then she, like, backs over and yeah, runs and over. Yeah, Maxine gets in the truck and runs over Pearl's head. And she says, this will be our little secret. Because that's what she said to Maxine earlier whenever mm-hmm. Howard came in. She's like, this will be our little secret. Um, and she drives off and she's divine fucking intervention. Praise the fucking Lord. Yeah, I think she does coke here too, she right? Does. Yeah. Um, then we see on the TV, the televangelist reveals that his daughter is in fact Maxine. Yes, because it's back to the beginning of the movie with the sheriffs and the cops. They're all doing the investigation. Yeah. And, um, One of the like we've cops. got, we found a camera and the, uh, what do you reckon's on it? And the sheriff says, one goddamn fucked up horror film. And that's the end. That's it. Um, I'm going to say I'm still 10 out of 10. Yeah, I'm very firmly still 10 out of 10 on this also. Because, like, I mean, it's... I can't, like, believe I caught myself just going, oh, like, I got all these, like, moments here, but... I mean, there are so many things addressed in this movie. We didn't even talk any of the racial undertones going on here because... Yeah, because he's racist towards Jackson. Yeah, it's the 70s in Texas, and Jackson is a black man. Yeah. It's relevant, and it's there. There's just so much other stuff to dissect that, that we're better able to talk about from our lens than yeah. probably yeah, we don't the really, experience yeah. <laughs> of a black man in 1970s Texas. Yeah, very fair. But I mean, yeah, it's an amazing movie. It tackles so many themes. It does it really well. Um, it takes itself very seriously. Like it, it's kind of awesome that they like they have this theme for a movie, this idea, and then they make it this right here. It's, I don't know, definitely something to appreciate. Is there anything you would change? Um... I mean, we've already given it the highest rating we can give it. That's true. I mean, I'm sure that there are some things that I could change, um, but I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Just trying to think about it. I mean, just thinking of like as we watched this movie, I don't really think of anything that I would change. Like, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. Um, I'm gonna say that Talia watched the movie with us. Like, actually stayed awake throughout all of it. Um. And she did, like, get really active with her toys near the end. So I think Talia is also um, very into this movie. I think that Talia will give it um, a nine, which is, like, the perfect number of belly rubs. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, Zoe was indeed there. The whole way through. Yes, she she was very into it. She she got a little distracted in the middle because uh, dinner time. Okay, so I have our internet review. Okay. Um, this is a review that is from the Washington Post. Okay. So I actually went a full critic this time because you know this one I I like to do that when I have that I've done a lot of listener or user stuff. Um, there aren't any actual negative reviews for this movie. Good. But this is more, like, this is the worst one they could find. They gave it a two stars out of five. Okay. No, I'm sorry, two out of four stars. So, like, it's a 50%. Okay. Uh, the title of the review is Senior Citizens Terrorize Sexed Up 20-somethings in the Silly Retro Slasher Flick X. 
The cheesy aesthetic of late 1970s and early 1980s filmmaking harnessed a hugely popular appeal, if not great artistic effect, and Stranger Things is front and center in X, a sexy meta-slasher flick that uses the look and feel of both the era's horror movies and its adult films to dress up what is essentially an otherwise commonplace saga of the bloodied but unbowed final girl. Uh, still, it has a certain uh, quality if graphic nudity, self-referential humor, and serial murder, neck-stabbing, eye-gouging, alligator-munching, and shotgun-blasting are your thing. The victims, as in many movies of this ilk, are young people who enjoy sex. Uh, perhaps this film's young target demographic, arguably people who weren't even born yet in the year in which it's set, uh, there is nothing more terrifying than an old lady who still feels sexual desire. To anyone old enough to have lived through 1979, and to harbor no nostalgia for the in the artfulness of do-it-yourself porn and VHS slasher movies, X is less of a treat. On the other hand, who knew that a stupid movie, part bloodbath, part skin flick, would offer the viewer not only so much to think about, but so much to look forward to. But that's it. He, I get the sense that they don't necessarily like the approach to this movie. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think that Pearl wanting to have sex is what makes her a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't what they... think her being old makes her the bad guy. It's the kidnapping, the rape, and the murder that makes her the bad guy. Yeah, and he's kind of blaming. He's like, yeah, young people are just afraid of, like, watching an old person be horny. But that's, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that that's part of it for some people. But, like, for the most part, it's, like, the actual horror movie aspects of this movie. Like you said, like, the killing and the torture show like that like you know that, yeah and the very real like human like the existential fear of what it really means to like get older how will your life change how do you know if you're truly taking advantage of the things that matter before they're no longer accessible to you that's fucking scary yeah and also like they make a mention of like the timing like the time that's uh being like a drawback but you could take this movie. It could be a any like it could be like a modern day movie. Like the same things would apply, you know. Like it doesn't make a difference that it's set in nineteen seventy nine. That's just purely for like the aesthetic of the movie. The aesthetic, and I think it helps kind of tell that story about the whole like the amateur filmmaking thing that you're talking about at the beginning of the episode. Where... I mean, that's still a thing today, though. Like you know, just I mean, horror is still that, and I'm sure like I don't know much about adult film. Like if that would still be the case, but. You know, I mean, you could still tell the story today. I think, I think nowadays it would be more something like Cam with, you know, more of like an OnlyFans type-esque story. I mean, yeah, but, you know, either way, like, I don't think that that's like a major part of this. But yeah, so that's that's that. They don't necessarily think it's a great movie. I And you know what? They're entitled to their opinion and maybe they did interpret that way and that's valid, but... I don't feel like that was the point I took away from it. And after, especially after watching the interview last night, that was not the point that was intended. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right. Got some listener reviews. Okay. Got a lot for this one, actually. Okay. So, all right. First off on Instagram, we have that brown coat says, love it, love it, love it, love it. My favorite film of this entire year. Okay. Well, spoiler, we're also friends with that brown coat on Twitter, and yeah. we can confirm he's very much a fan yeah. of this film, so I'm I'm glad he got his review out there for it, because yeah. I know he's a big fan of it. Okay, we have Podcast Wasted Potential. They say, love this uncomfortable film. It is uncomfortable, and I think, you know, we've had this discussion 
last week with Midsummer. Like, what makes something horror? Is it just being uncomfortable? Is it just being disturbed? Um, it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Yeah. Creepy Girl, he says, amazing. Yes. It is amazing. 10 out of 10. Podcast Killing Time says, slightly overrated. Hmm. And I can understand that because uh, so many people hype this movie up as like the next best thing, but like I can understand like people coming in with this insane hype being like, I it's a good movie, but like I don't understand why people are praising this movie so much. Yeah, and I mean it does make me wonder how I would have felt like if we'd gone a week later or something. We went opening weekend, yeah. and we were just excited enough about a new Ty West film. Yeah, exactly. we watched a single trailer, and that was it. Like we're like, okay, cool, we're gonna go watch X, and so we went in with no expectations set other than Ty West movie. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I mean, I totally understand that. Generally, how we've been trying to go into movies from now on, like, and it's it's made the experience a lot better not having expectations other than like I want to go in and enjoy a movie. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but especially the ones I'm looking forward to the most, I feel like I like it better if I don't. I always go into a movie wanting to enjoy a movie. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Instead of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in this movie. Like, I wonder if this is going to be there or this or that. Like, oh, yeah. Just be along for the ride. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't even realize this was meant to be a slasher. When we went I didn't either. It. Honestly, so, yeah. Like I said, I thought it was going to be like a creature flick or whatever. Yeah. I didn't know where it was going. All right. Final one on Instagram. Always in civil unrest. I was skeptical, but I liked it. Okay. The other end of that being like, oh, I mean, a lot of people are talking a little bit too much about it. And then like, oh, OK, it actually is good. Yeah. All right. And then on Twitter, we have a few here. We have uh, Slayer Fest 98. Yay. They just say loved it. Yes. And, and they've got um, one of the hosts has their has a horror podcast as well. And they covered it. I haven't listened to the episode yet because I tried to. I wanted to wait until after we talked about yeah, it. If I, yeah. Influence. If I know we're going to be covering a movie sometime soon, I try not to listen to another podcast episode on it just because I, like, I want to go in fresh with my own ideas. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, Joshua says, I loved it. The slow burn and character building leading up to that last act was just so well executed. Feels like a Toby Hooper film. Hell yeah. It does. Like, I mean, this movie so directly references Toby Hooper throughout. And like I said, like, that's the Ty West special right there. You have the slow build up, and then it has an explosive, like, second half. Sometimes it takes all the way to the very final parts of the movie, but. Would you say that this is him at his Ty best? Yeah, this is him at his Ty best. I mean, well. It's kind of close, man. Honestly, you love House of the Devil. House so of the much, Devil though. might still be my favorite Ty West movie. Honestly, that movie's fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised we haven't covered it on the show yet. Okay, that's it for the reviews. Jesse, who did you relate to? Who did I relate to? Um, I'll go ahead and say who I related to. Who did you relate to? I think I related to RJ because like I would also like I love watching this movie made me like so excited about like the potential of doing like a movie. Like if I were to do my life differently right now, like I would maybe pursue something like that as like a something I would want to do. Like, you know, as a kid, like I did animation and stuff like that. That's what I pursued. And, you know, 
it is what it is. Obviously, I'm still drawing, but like, I don't know, like film, like, I, I don't know. That seems like such an amazing thing to like get into. Like, I mean, it's not too late either, but yeah. still like, I don't know. I like the idea of getting like a group of people going out and doing like a like guerrilla filmmaking like they were doing here. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it looked like a lot of fun. And I liked his enthusiasm for the project because he wanted to make a legitimate good movie, even if it was like a porno. It was nice. I liked it. I think I related to Bobby Lynn um, because she just cracks a bunch of dumb jokes to kind of hide like any insecurity she has, but also has really good suggestions. And I like to think I have good suggestions. Smart and sexy. And those are your words, not mine. Exactly. I got you. <laughs> okay. Do we have a dream sequel for this? We know that there will be in this like an official sequel, but this isn't a franchise for us. Let's speculate. Not prequel. Let's do yeah. like what what do we think it's gonna where do we think it's gonna go from here? Because Pearl is dead, Howard is dead, the only surviving member is Maxine. Maybe she does does the her dad play any role in this? I think that the I think kind of playing off of that one story. I want to say it was in Australia. We listened to the case file episode on it where the husband like tried to exercise his wife and got a couple of his like zealot neighbors involved yeah. and she ended up dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That except, you know, Maxine is like a full on badass and kicks ass out of there. So you think that they're trying to exercise her, but yeah, then she they, they, actually yeah, fights kidnap back. her and tries to like try to like exercise the demons out of her. I like that idea. That's an interesting dude, that would be so Ty West too, because he's going back to like mm-hmm. that shit right there, demonic. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that idea. That's not it's not bad. All right. Hire me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's it for this week's movie, guys. Okay. So we will have the schedule for July up tomorrow, and if you're listening to this on release day. If not, then, you know, insert whatever the appropriate day of the week Hi, is for it's, it. Yeah, it's that day. <laughs> um, but we decided, just because of a couple of movies that we wanted to talk about, we decided we were going to make it a theme month. Yes. And uh, the theme of the month is sequels. <laughs> yeah, and... Sequels it's, to movies that we've talked about. Yeah, it's it's not just... But like, aren't doing franchises of. Yes. It's not just movies that we're just doing random sequels to. Like, we're doing... The first movie that we got is Jesse's Pick. Yeah. And it's Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers, which is technically a sequel to Sleepaway Camp, but also kind of a spinoff. Yeah, it's I mean... It's tonally very different. It's a different Angela, but I... Love it so much. I mean, it makes sense. It's like a recast, Angela. It takes place in the future. And guess what, babies? Right now, as of recording this episode, this is subject to change all the time. And it let me does tell you, all the because time. yeah, because I always want to watch this movie, so I can tell you it will change by the minute. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, it is free to watch on Pluto TV or Tubi, or you can rent it for four dollars from Vudu or Prime, or you can be like me and just purchase it on Prime Video for like $9 so you can have it whenever you want it. Yeah. Uh, Because the only way to get a DVD, like the DVDs are region locked to not 
and um, Blu-ray Scream Factory did a Blu-ray, but it is out of print, yeah. so it costs hundreds of dollars if you want it now. Fuck that, not doing yeah. that. Yeah, so that is our first movie of the month, and like I said, because of the jamboree, we are going to be posting stuff a little bit out of order than normal. Our poll results are going to be read a little bit out of order than normal. This weekend, we're going to be recording both Sleepaway Camp 2 and the following week's episode. It'll be my pick. Back to back. Yeah, and... But you're gonna get the, like the stuff for that this weekend anyway. So I'll just go ahead and say it's gonna be. I still know what you did last summer. Yeah. So yeah, we got those two coming up. Which be on the honestly, lookout. like this is our perfect weekend lineup anyway for Fourth of July weekend. Like those are two movies that we would probably pick anyway. Yeah, I mean honestly, yeah, it's great. So, so um, if you want to leave a review for those movies for us to read on the show, check out our social media. Jesse, where can they find us? Everywhere. You can find us everywhere. You can find us on Instagram at least favorite movie or least favorite scary movie podcast. Mm -hmm. Same as Facebook, least favorite scary movie podcast on there. On Twitter, we are least fave pod. Facebook, we're what's your least favorite scary movie podcast? What's your least favorite scary movie podcast? Yes, whatever. If you search that, it'll pull it up too. Either way, TikTok. Um, we don't. I don't know. No, no, stop it. (laughs) Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at what's your, or, um, God damn it, I'm fucking this up. See, see, you make fun of me all the time and I'm always pulling the heavy load with it, but you it's, it's a heavy email load indeed, isn't it? At least favorite scary movie uh? at gmail.com uh? and you can find us on our website, what's your least favorite scary movie.com. And, um, if you're considering starting a podcast of your own, Choose a fucking short podcast name because this is a pain in the ass. The yes. reason all of our handles are different is because there are different character limits on every platform. I can't even do parentheses on Facebook. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Okay, that's it for this week, everybody. Um, watch the movies that we had there. Watch this movie. Watch X. It's a great movie. Um, get familiarized yourself with some 2022 horror if you haven't done so yet. And yes. uh, we will see you guys next week with a fucking camp classic. Hell yeah. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Females. <laughs> hope they picked up on the mic. I hope so. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs>